Welcome everyone to the Take Control of Your Health podcast. This is Dr. Mercola bringing you the latest cutting edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. You can receive more information by subscribing to my free daily newsletter at mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening. So let's get started with this week's latest program to help you and your family take control of your health. Welcome everyone, Dr. Mercola, helping you take control of your health. And today we're in for a real treat. We have not one, not two, but three guests today who are all co-authors of the book called Ending Plague, which is part of a trilogy. The first book being Plague, uh, and second one being um, the Plague of Corruption, and the, the, this one, Ending Plague. And the authors are Judy Mikevitz, uh, Kent uh, Heckenlidley, and uh, Judy's mentor for coming up on 50 years, I think, or close ah. to is uh, Frank, Dr. Frank Rossetti, who's, who's an icon, and it's just such an honor and a privilege to connect with him, although we won't be seeing him visually, we'll only be hearing his voice, because I think he's, he's, uh, he has to be incognito because of the death threats. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, we're just going to see his, his, have, his, won't have visuals for him. So welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us, Joe. All right. So what was the inspiration for this book? And I'm not sure who, I'll just throw it out to you and you can figure out between the three of you who wants to answer. Go ahead, Judy. Yeah, Frank pointed at me and Kent told me to. So you, you see who's in control. All right. <laughs> so really the, um, the um, inspiration or the, the reason for this last book is um, it's Frank Rossetti's story. Um, it, it was his title. The subtitle is called A Scholar's Obligation in an Age of Corruption. Um, so, you know, this, you know, the book, he was really going to write the story before COVID, um, but we had to really hurry it up given uh, given what's happening because we really yeah. can't end these, end these plagues of corruption if um, the scholars, um, ex, you know, honor their obligations and their responsibilities as scholars, um, you know, people with PhDs and, um, and, uh, and in every, every area, really legal scholars, church scholars, everyone who is supposed to produce knowledge and communicate that knowledge. That's the point of the book. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't have this mess um, if uh, people like Tony Fauci and, and Bob Gallo didn't get away with this same playbook um, for things like the Ebola, Zika, autism epidemic, XMRV, um, all the way back to HIV. Okay, well, thanks for that. I want to. I want you to uh, give us an introduction to Frank. Many people don't know who he is, other than through your uh, relations sharing in through your in your first two books, and he's obviously your mentor. Uh, he hired you, I believe, in 1983. So I, I said 50 years, but it's actually 47 years. That, uh, well, no, 37, 37, 37 years. years. Yeah. And in fact, we just we just marked the 30, the beginning of the 38th year of our collaboration. Um, it started on D-Day, June 6th. Oh yeah, June 6th. <laughs> yeah. Which is so, um, yeah, really. Um, when, I, when I started at Fort Detrick, I was a, a laboratory technician with a biochemistry Bachelor of Arts degree out of the University of Virginia. So my, my expertise and my training was in purifying natural products and protein biologicals. So the, the program that Frank was hired to work in, um, the biological response modifiers program, um, really started with, with the, these cytokines. Um, Frank had discovered um, what, what he called T-cell growth factor, which was later renamed interleukin-2. And he'd also um, discovered the first disease-causing human retrovirus, which was HPLV-1 human T-cell leukemia lymphoma virus. So that was 1980 with Bernie Boys. And that's really where the book starts is, is his, um, it's, really, it's really his story through there. And so when we met, um, basically, the, the corruption 
um, the good in the science of places like National Cancer Institute, but the bad um, in how the big pharma institute um, collaborations, and maybe Frank can say this better, just how they corrupted pharmaceutical industry, corrupted what should have been um, uh, pure knowledge and the biological response modifiers program from 83 to 87 just made huge gains and had they been allowed to do recovery, um, um, AIDS would have never been the pandemic it turned out to be or the epidemic it turned out to be. And, and perhaps had people like Fauci not um, been in control and corrupt, none of this um, would have ever happened, this COVID um, disaster. I couldn't agree more. So with that introduction, uh, we're going to have Frank uh, you know, give an insight as to what motivated him to write the book and maybe a little summary because it really is a great privilege and honor uh, to meet Judy's mentor and really someone with such great integrity as clear from your writing in the, the first part of the book. Uh, it was just just a, just a delight to, to, to read your narrative. So welcome and uh, Please share with us your motivation for writing and, and sort of a compilation summary of, of why we would put it together. One thing I would add to Judy's introduction is that when we first met in 83, neither one of us, both of us had been fired by the same individual. And neither one of us wanted to start over again. And so the relationship started on a rather Walking home. Is that fair, Judy? Yeah. So, so my feeling was the re the motivation for writing the book is what you just said, uh, Joe. That this is not something new. It's been going on for a while, and unless we change the fortunes of every man, it's just going to get worse. Uh, Judy said, well, we talked about the AIDS epidemic. And you have been in past tense. What most people don't realize, it shouldn't be in past tense. Because if you look at the rest of the world, the number one leading cause of death among women of childbearing age is HIV. So, you know. Wait, wait say, so repeat that again because that's quite an extraordinary statement. Yeah. That the number one cause of death among childbearing women in the world is HIV AIDS. But do you ever hear anything about it anymore? No, no. So what 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 data do you have to support that? Because that's a pretty well, research. In 2020, the UN Aid Commission published a monograph about that. If you're interested in it, I'll send it to you. Yeah, it definitely would be. So the agenda is set by those who want to make the most money on any given situation. And so I wanted to write it to say to people, we have to, we have to reclaim, like you always talk about, it's not just reclaiming your health, it's reclaiming that public health, as you know, is just not infectious. It's air quality food quality, everything that goes into public health. And we have done a miserable job in the last 50 years of protecting the public health. You know, Joe, if I could add on to that, uh, I wanted to talk about how this really struck me, which is I come at this from a background of looking at systems, okay? Wait, wait, wait. Now, Kent, are you referring to the... Uh pretty potent uh, statement that the number one cause of death in reproductive age of women is is HIV or? or so, so I'm coming at it from the perspective of public health has not been serving us well for the past 40 or 50 years. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, what I think is really extraordinary about Frank's story is he really details how science has gone wrong. So we like to think of science as this democracy of experts, okay? You know, top people in their field sit, talk, you know, discussing how the science should move forward. But science, public health is not like that. What you had starting in the 1970s with Nixon's war on cancer and then accelerated under Reagan is that you created these czars of science of which Tony Fauci is one of them. Um, and then they demoted the scientists to be like serfs. So we really don't have that many quote government scientists. We have a lot of scientists under contract with the federal government. Um, and this is really set up a system where people like Tony Fauci essentially control public health. And I think that if people understood that the system itself is set up so relatively few people are in charge, then all of this makes more sense. And so when they talk in the media about, oh, science is deciding this, science is deciding that, it's really not. It's just a a relatively small handful of people, almost like a Politburo of science. And and that's what we're, we're really attacking. What we're trying to do is we're trying to move science back to its original roots mm-hmm. in which everybody who is qualified has a voice and can contribute to the discussion. Yeah. It's not that science is bad or science-based medicine is corrupt. It is the application of it. And to, to highlight what you just said, uh, Fauci has been at the NIH for about 50 years. And in that time, if you add up all the amounts of funding that he has been responsible for distributing, it's close to a trillion dollars. That's a thousand billion dollars over the 50 years. And who's it given to? It's given to researchers, primarily people called PIs or principal investigators that are absolutely 100% aligned with the pharmaceutical industry. And it's this incestuous relationship that just continues to cycle on itself and spin out these drugs that the drug companies benefit from. And the, and the, and the, 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 the community, the, the public, receives virtually no benefit and they get the negative. So, you know, it's just people have no concept of what's happening. The the comparison I make, Joe, is that Fauci has been head of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases longer than J. Edgar Hoover was head of the FBI, okay? And, you know, whether you're right, left, or middle, Nobody believes that anybody should hold that kind of power for that long. In fact, having that kind of power just in and of itself is a really bad idea. So, uh, you know, while we can talk about Fauci, and I think he really is a, a terrible person because not only has he been in charge of this system, he helped design this system. Uh, we need to get rid of this Fauci and keep the next Fauci from taking power. Yeah. So I still want to get back to this assertion. Perhaps, Judy, you can chime in. Uh, you yeah. sent me the those two paragraphs prior to the interview, which is pretty shocking. And I've never heard before. Uh, but but uh, the, the number one cause of death in, in women of reproductive age is HIV. I mean, can you expand on that? HIV AIDS, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's misogyny. It's, it's the same thing we're seeing um, in, you know, with the increase in the, you know, in the vaccine program over the, the 40 years, it's misogyny, you know. But, but yeah. what are these, what are these women dying from? I mean, obviously it's the infection, but what, what type of pathology is it causing? Well, it's is the it, same AIDS, the acquired immune deficiency or dysfunction. So why are we hearing that? I mean, well, I've just never seen that. Uh, they don't want you to hear the The same kind of censorship, that kind of thing doesn't get published. See, not only does Tony Fauci control money and, and big pharma controls, they control what gets done. They control what research. Sure, 100%. Yes. They, they control what a university gets in grants. They take them away. I mean, I, I just did not. You know, literally when the, you know, when the Whittemore Peterson Institute got caught by me misappropriating the funds, 
um, and, and changing the data to fit their narrative in order to be um, uh, forgiven their crimes of misappropriating federal funds. It was simply throw Judy Mikovits as the scapegoat. And this was all directed by Fauci because mm -hmm. the NIAID funded our grants. So, you know, the AIDS, um, you know, goes all the way back to chronic fatigue syndrome. That was, that was AIDS without the HIV. So mm -hmm. our discovery in 2009, um, and, and the, that of the XMRVs, of the mouse family of viruses contaminating, it didn't make the HIV and the monkey viruses go away. Those were still contaminating the vaccines. Those people were still co-infected. And what we realized by the low alter confirmation was they got their samples all the way back in the 80s and early 90s, because women, the definition. So, you, so another paragraph of that chapter shows you that women were not allowed to have HIV AIDS by Tony Fauci. The first definition that will, of the CDC. So you see the same criminals changing the definition and with, with um, drawing or preventing women from getting health care. So they spread the infection just like because Tony Fauci denied the presence of, of XMRVs or exogenous viruses associated with autism, ME-CFS, contaminated blood supply for 30 years because the definition was only HIV could cause AIDS. And we're looking at the same thing right now. There never was a SARS-CoV-2 monkey virus in hundreds of millions of people. They're being transmitted through the vaccine recombinants that can happen in only two weeks and so that right, wait 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 you you you're coming out like a, a fire hose because all <laughs> these amazing pieces of information so stop there okay so and expand on there never was in sars cup 2 virus because actually i've seen you in a debate with um the physician from new york uh who's responsible for saying there is no virus it's never been identified do you remember the person's name yeah, uh, his name Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, yes. And, and it's so, he's, so, and, and, he's, and you were you were taking the position there is, and he was no, just there is, but it's a monkey virus. It okay, right, no, no, please expand deeply on this because this is okay. a really important point. Okay. So, um, it SARS-CoV-2 was grown just like SARS in the cell line mm -hmm. Vero E6, Vero monkey kidney cells. This is the same cell line our. Polio this bats. is the ones that were extracted from the bats? Correct. And okay. and I did those bats, some of those bat tissue Ebola cultures in the monkey, Vero monkey kidney cells okay. in the mid 90s. That's all wow. in the book. And why were you working? Why were you working with bat virus? Because we wanted to understand the, how the viruses cause disease. So we okay. took the, the same kind of work I did for my PhD thesis. It's not the infection, it's the inflammatory cytokine storm and the dysregulation of the innate immune response. Mm -hmm. It's okay. type 1 interferon pathways, everything we're talking about. And you can see these are the solutions, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, mm -hmm. um, in, um, peptide T back in the 80s. You know, right. modulate the interaction. So the monocyte macrophage and what we did back in All right, the wait, wait. Well, let's get back to the virus. We don't want to go yeah. on a new story. So Well, that's you, the virus. You were, you were virus. culturing these viruses and these monkey monkey uh, culture lines uh, back in the 90s, just Correct. like they did in the in the within the last 10 years in uh, Wuhan. Correct. Okay, so why isn't it SARS-CoV-2? Why is it a, you, you're you're Because it's the monkey virus. It's in the monkey be, virus. It's not SARS-CoV-2. Correct. So, so, so what, what, what Judy is saying is that when you mix these viruses in different cultures, you will get genetic sequences from the, the, from the culture cells. So uh, I think that the thing that, that our books really talk about is how dangerous this common practice is of taking, for example, a human virus that you isolate and then growing it in animal cultures. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that viruses are not like other living organisms. They're very promiscuous in their swapping of genetic codes. So that's why when they started coming out with 
um, you know, in, in April or May of 2020, and they're saying, wow, gee, this, this bird virus seems to have some HIV spike proteins and, and sequence. The bat, the bat virus. The, the, the bat virus, yeah. So, you know, how is it that you got monkey sequences in a bat virus? And, and so what our contention is, is that this, this common practice of growing viruses in different animal cultures and including human cultures is causing is creating these Frankenstein viruses, which will have genetic sequences from the the mediums in which they're grown. And so Joe, I, I just want to go back to one thing because I know this is a kind of a wild an assertion for your audience. So I'm right now on the UN AIDS page. Um, and this is a press release from March 5th of this year. Mm-hmm. And it says, ahead of International Women's Day, UNAIDS is launching a new report showing the stark inequalities between men and women are continuing to make women and girls more vulnerable to HIV. And this completely backs up what Judy and Frank is saying. It's, and, and I'm just going to read this one sentence. Sure. Almost 40 years into the response, AIDS is still the leading cause of death for women aged between 15 and 49 and around 6,000 young women aged between 15 and 24 acquire HIV every week. Now, those deaths are not happening, quote, in the West. It seems that they're, it's centered in sub-Saharan African, okay. Africa. Oh, uh, so this is uh, world, uh, worldwide deaths in that age group, not in the West. Yeah, uh, um, among sex care workers, okay? So, so, you you are correct in saying, you know, I, I'm not seeing that here in the West, but if you look worldwide, this is absolutely true. It's it's unassailable, and I'm I'm happy to send you that. Okay, that I, I definitely like that, so we'll include it in the article for sure. Yeah. All so right, well, again, thank you for again, that clarification. So with, the, with the monkey virus, in order for SARS-CoV-2 to be a human virus, what mm-hmm. they have to do is they have to isolate the virus from a human. That is, take Let's just say lung lavage, you know, Mm -hmm. spit the tube, uh, you know, somebody's coughing, they're sick, they have COVID-19, they spit in the tube, and then they grow that that, um, virus in a human cell line, that lung lavage. They mix everything that's in there in a human cell line. Which is separate from the monkey line that you were working with. And they've never done that. This is the debate with Andy Kaufman. Yes, okay. it's a virus. Yes, it's cultured. We can see its pictures, but those electron micrographs are coming contain viruses from the monkey cell line. And the, and I have a paper published in 2012, and that the, of the bat tissues and when that work was being done a long time ago. Because remember, SARS is not a different virus. That's why SARS-CoV-2 is not a novel virus. That's why they call it SARS-CoV-2, because any, anything that is 97.3% similar, you know, now they're calling it, a, in the beginning of last year, they called it a novel virus, and they mm-hmm. called it a human virus. And never had it been isolated from a human to a human and shown with disease and shown to be associated. So you don't know if the virus was the monkey was one of the dozens of viruses of coronaviruses that could recombine with retroviruses in those zero monkey kidney cells. They've been in laboratories cultured with bat tissues for 30 years. And every single time you grow a culture of virus, as Kent just said, being promiscuous, they have mutations. So you get new strains and variants, hundreds of them. I'll send you the paper I'm talking about because the XMRVs were also in that culture. Yes, we're also in the viral monkey kidney cells. And this goes all the way back mm-hmm. to why I said in 2000 last year on the Epoch Time Show and why mm-hmm. we're writing this book that Tony Fauci knew it. And the whole no-see method that Ralph Barrick and, and was talking about is all you do is introduce a new infectious um, clone you know, so you just take the clone of the different sequences using either CRISPR technology or anything else. You make an infectious molecular clone and then you transfect it in, which is what the vaccine is, a transfection. You injected it. It's not an infection. 
and then you simply have the host cell machinery replicate the virus. So um, it's the, never has okay. the Let, Let's go back because, and maybe I don't know why, but I'm still confused. Okay. So you, you're growing, fine. you're growing the, the bat virus in the monkey viral cell kidney culture cells. Correct. And it, in the, and it, just like they did in Wuhan. So then you, you switch to the lavage of the human cells of people who are infected with this. Is that how somehow connected or how did it, how did the, the are you, what's your assertion that they grew this in, in the monkey cells and they created this infection? And is it the infection that caused everything that's going on? Well, well the, 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 there's a couple things. In it. And, and since I'm the simplifier, I, let, let me take this on and that, then let's see if Judy uh, agrees with me. So, so what you're trying to do, Joe, is so you've got a bat virus, okay? So that virus is adapted to bats. What you're then trying to do is you're trying to make that jump to humans. Mm -hmm. So you use an animal that's closer to humans, evolutionary spe speaking, than a, ba a bat. So you go to the monkeys, monkeys okay? So, okay? So you make it work in the monkeys, okay? You got it working in the monkeys. Now let's see if we can make that jump to humans. And, and the other thing that I just have to say, because I think is, this is that the assertion that, that that is what they that's what that got released in the Wuhan thing. Yes. Yeah. And by release, I mean, injected into people. It's not floating in the air. It, so it, this it's, that's another strong assertion. Your 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 assertion is that this was intentionally transmitted by injection. It didn't aerosolize and, get, and leak out of the Wuhan Virology Perfect. Institute. By spreading that contaminated viral monkey kidney cell around the world in various vaccines, we use those viral monkey kidney cells in polio. Okay, so now, now it's coming in. So the, the, right. the, the transfer wasn't, they've got these, this vial of, cell, of uh, infectious monkey. monkey virus or coronavirus from the monkeys culture in the monkeys, but they, they, they contaminate all the other uh, uh, kidneys, uh, monkey kidney cell lines that they use to to produce the vaccines. And if those no, vaccines is what spread it. They shipped the cell line. Okay. Yeah. The cell line was infected with this. With Correct. This. You, have to. you must throw a virus in a cell line. How did the cell line get infected? It's just because that's it, its nature. It's just, it, well, it, it, here, this is what I think is really important to understand, Joe is, and, and this is why when we got viciously attacked for plague of corruption, no article went after our main assertion, which is the use of animal culture cells to grow viruses for vaccines or other biologics. Like you hear about things like Humira, okay? That's, that's a biologic. That, that is inherently dangerous. And one of the things that I just have to say, because I, I think this is something that gets misconstrued. Everybody seems like they're on a virus hunt, okay? So we wanna find the killer virus. What Judy has been really good at making me understand is these viruses don't travel alone, okay? So I think that there, there's a way that a lot of different schools of thought can come together because there are people who will say, well, it doesn't seem like this virus alone can cause this thing. And Judy, Judy is very strong in saying, yes, that's absolutely true. So these viruses travel in groups. Okay. So one part of the, one virus can do one thing. Another can do a different one. So th there's a commonality between what we are saying among different groups that may seem to be at odds with each other, which is we're talking about not protecting you from a single virus, but making sure that your immune system is strong enough to take on, you know, whatever it encounters. And that's why the lockdown seemed so crazy to us because every single thing they had us do from sheltering in place, staying out of the sun, being in a state of fear, all of these things. All of the wearing masks, all of those things have the result of dampening your immune system. So why did those in charge make sure they did everything to lower our immune defenses? It was it was the worst thing. And and for me personally, I don't know how Judy feels about it. It is the best evidence to me that this was not simply a series of mistakes by those in charge, right. but 
there had to be some other agenda because, you know, I'm trained as an attorney, Joe. So uh, I have people lie to me all the time and I'm always questioning people and, and I look at what's done. So can I prove it? No, but it seems like an amazing pattern of mistakes to just be the result of stupidity or politics. Yo, so that ex- that explains a law library behind your behind your head. So yeah, exactly. There you go. All right. So let, let's get back to this thing too, because in some ways this is almost an academic exercise because it is what it is. And I think the point that you just made, Kent, about there was some hidden agenda to promote this is absolutely target on because we have to deal with the consequences. But it is interesting intellectually, at least, to understand how this thing evolved. And it and somewhat annoys me Kaufman's arguments that to, to just consistently claim and, and stick to his guns that there is no virus because it doesn't really change what, what what we need to do but so i'd like you to, to at least clear up that at least from your perspective i wanted to have him on directly uh actually i did i didn't i just was very disappointed at the way he interacted with you it was very unprofessional from my perspective so i, I did not want to have put him on with you directly so why don't you summarize why what your view on why he's mistaken because they absolutely isolated um a a, a, a sars cov 2 virus but there's not definitive anything showing that satisfies either Koch's postulates or hill's criteria okay. which we did with the xmrvs meaning the virus in my opinion is still a monkey virus that was spread. Okay, okay, that clear, that clears it up. All right, so you just disagree with his contention that there is that there has never been a a SARS-CoV-2 virus that has been clearly established. But what hasn't been established is Cox postulate that this viral isolate is what causes uh, COVID-19. Correct. That's what we are trying to say. And your your assertion is it is this monkey virus that was. Uh, an artifact of culturing the coronavirus from the bats in the the monkey kid the viral monkey kidney cell culture. Correct, and see that that it ever you know caused the disease um, there you know for COVID nineteen has never been shown because what you have to do is take somebody with the disease Jeez. with the disease and and show that that virus is you know uh, spread to somebody else who gets the disease that okay. makes the positive factor so, right, so now in the beginning hiv clearly caused aids because everyone who we isolated hiv from had aids and we never isolated hiv from somebody without aids mm-hmm. and that's when my phd thesis and our work appreciated latency and that if they didn't if that if that hiv didn't disrupt the chemokine receptor five. The people that had a deletion in that receptor binding to infect the macrophage, it's called Delta 32, remember in CCR5. They had all the AIDS in the world, HIV in the world in their body, and they never did the immune dysfunction. It's not the infection, it's the dysregulation of the immune system. So in COVID-19, it's not that monkey virus that caused this disease. And nobody- yeah. So, so let, let me jump in here for, for a minute, Joe, because I, I think I, I, I can explain this in a way that makes sense. So here's, here's how thorough of a researcher Judy is, okay? So the belief in the 80s was that the virus was, hi- the HIV virus was hiding out in the T cells, okay? Um, which made absolutely no sense, okay? And, and Judy, Judy is the first one to call bullshit on bad science, okay? So um, it is true that as the disease progressed, the T cells would absolutely be taken out. That that was an indicator of the infection. But what Judy was saying to saying, and Judy and Frank were saying, is that the the HIV virus can't be hiding out in the T cells, especially because you get the development of AIDS dementia um, and and the T cells, as I understand, are not in the brain. So Judy's seminal work uh, with Frank 
was look, finding the actual reservoir in which the HIV virus uh, lived, which was the monocyte macrophages. So, so Judy is, is not one of these people who follows the establishment line, but she's also not one of these people who will throw out everything in, in the way that I think Andy, if, if I understand Andy Kaufman's, um, you know, claims. I, I kind of think he's throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Judy wants to find out how these things are causing damage. She is absolutely fearless in taking on the establishment when they're saying bad things. But um, she is she is showing how the virus causes damage and, you know, how the establishment is wrong, but also how some of these, you know, alternative people are are, are missing part of the argument as well. Okay, so Judy, you am I correct in uh, re remembering what your earlier claim was in this present interview is that the vaccinations, the COVID injections or the jabs are uh, that have the, um, the genetic code to uh, for messenger RNA to cause the individual to make spike proteins. Are you saying that's also contaminated and responsible for increasing? What, what's your assertion there? Because I it's was a little bit confused. It's contaminated. Now. It's causing disease. Because we've known since. Well, Frank it's causing disease from the spike protein. Because we 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 had that was a protein is disease. So so okay. you could. So it's, it's not an infection that you're claiming. It's just still the spike protein, the metabolic toxin. Right, but you've you've given you've you've made a synthetic virus and you've protected the. That RNA would normally be broken down by our RNA. Wait, wait. So is it, is it your claim? This is a this is that that the actual spike protein is a synthetic virus. No, I'm, it's so the 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 vaccine is. You put a virus-like particle, a lipid nanoparticle. That's okay. the that's the so particle that that the entire particle functions like a synthetic virus. Correct. And, uh, wow, yeah, that's so an that's an interesting theory. I've never heard that before, but it makes sense. But the spike pro—that's what they do in a vaccine. You have to mimic a virus, and that would so RNA in the bot in the blood or in the interstitial fluid is a danger signal. And so we 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 right. don't inhale the RNA of a virus. We inhale a particle. That's why the PCR tests were always garbage. They're telling you that that the RNA is present. They're not telling you the particle is present. And if the particle's not present, then you the, the the virus RNA is degraded. That's what our immune system does. Mm -hmm. And so when you made a synthetic particle, synthetic virus, and you stabilized it with polyethylene glycol antifreeze, it doesn't break down. Your body doesn't break it down like your normal body would. And, and, and it's not infectious and transmissible, so they injected it. And your own body is now making viruses, synthetic ones, and those are being transmitted to other people. They can shed because they're 30 nanoparticles. They can- Oh, the 30 nanometers. 30 but, nanometers. But, can, but th this is huge because I, I never understood this concept before where it makes perfect sense. So, and help me understand what the SARS-CoV-2 virus is. Is it simply the spike protein encased in a lipid membrane that allows it to be successfully transferred to humans? That's no, that's the, the there, SARS-CoV-2. Are there other, other factors in, in the SARS-CoV-2? The SARS-CoV-2 virus is a real virus. The oh, I get it. Yeah, I get it. But but is it just simply a membrane that's in, that's encasing this spike protein? The the vaccine is. <laughs> well, well what, but what about the SARS-CoV-2 virus? The, that membrane surrounding that virus comes from the monkey cells. That's how virus works. They bud out of cells. It, and, and, and if I can, let, let, let me jump in here because may, maybe I can make this a little bit clear. Okay. One of the things also that I think Judy takes on with the establishment is, and, and, and I, you know, I, I worked for a summer in a virus lab and I actually heard this from the virologists, um, which is they will say, things like you need a complete virus to do harm, okay? So that may be eight to 10,000 base pairs. What Judy has, has discussed, and, and I've gone through the scientific literature on it, is that these so-called defective viruses can cause harm as well. So if you think of a virus as a, as a 
as a code, okay, like a computer program, okay? Well, if you have a couple bad lines of code, that can still cause problems in your computer as well. And so a lot of, of what I think I see Judy saying is that, you know, viruses are dangerous in ways that are not yet fully appreciated by science. You don't have to have a complete virus in order to do harm. You can have sequences of the virus that they would call defective or garbage pieces, and it can still cause enormous harm because those parts of the virus, such as the envelope, are, are affecting the function of your immune system. Right, and well, Frank Rossetti just said that's fair. Do you want to say something, Frank? Is Frank yeah. Frank with you? Yeah, he's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the important thing to realize is that viruses are multifactorial. So if you figure out a way to give a protein, that can do a certain amount of damage. What the virus does to our bodies is cumulative for all these multifactorial things. But just putting in a defective, but just putting in one protein, like an envelope protein, can cause disease at some level. That's the so, thing people don't understand about viruses. So when the, the doctor, is it bridal over in Canada? Yeah, um, yeah. He, he did the FOIA request for Japan. Right. When he said, we made a mistake, you know, oops, the spike protein is deadly. We made a mistake. How could we know? No, I think uh, Frank's wife, um, Dr. Sandy Rossetti, is the first to show the envelope, which is the same thing as the spike. The envelope alone causes disease. You don't need any other part of the virus. That, that's the vector that gets it into cells and multiplies to make viruses because the envelope alone then becomes defective viruses. And that's what our endogenous genome, 8%, expresses syncytin. That's a gamma retrovirus envelope that's critical in human reproductive. In, in the, uh, it acts like Velcro. Holding, you know, so so there's a there's a regulatory role and a value of our own endogenous virome, but you can't express another animal or humans endogenous viruses without risking recombinants and new viruses in every single um, vaccine, and that's exactly what the big problem was in 2011. And, and so the, the big argument to us was these aren't human retroviruses. Remember, Joe, in the last books, well, in Plague, I renamed them in our last talks in 2011 and called them human gamma retroviruses. And the big fight by Coffin, you know, Fauci is they're not human. They're not human. They're not infectious and transmissible. They don't spread through water droplets, which they absolutely did. We were coughing contagious, cancer-causing mouse viruses just the way COVID is. And they were, some of them in the people were defective, but there was enough infectious transmissible virus that we could isolate from people with the disease and show the phylogenetic tree and show other people with similar viruses had similar diseases. And what was the big argument against us? It's a mouse virus. It's a mouse virus. It's a mouse virus. And what are they doing now with COVID? It's a human virus. It's a human virus. It's a human virus. No, it's not. It's a monkey virus. And they've never once shown it's in humans. So, so they blamed us and said it didn't happen in 2009, in the 90s, when we showed that data went back 30 years. And the blood supply, the people who died in the first wave of AIDS had HIV and XMRV. They took out their innate immune system, their natural killer cells, um, and plasmasoitoid dendritic cells with XMRV, and they took out the adaptive immune system with HIV, and that's the co-pathogens that killed everyone along, and they got pneumocystis pneumonia. That's what people died of with AIDS. They didn't die of HIV. Right. They died of the opportunistic infections. And we know the opportunistic infections in, in chronic fatigue syndrome become the herpes viruses. So you start to see how the herpes viruses take out 
Um, in, in AIDS, it was CMV, the CMV retinopathy. So you start to see the co-infections and the disease phenotype. So now everything being called long haul AIDS is the SARS-CoV-2 in, injection, that spike protein activating and recombining with the XMRVs and the HIVs. And that's why I said 50 million people will die, because as we were talking, all those people who have been getting HIV because the women weren't protected and, and all those people who got XMRV because Tony Fauci called it an endogenous virus. And, there, and it wasn't endogenous viruses. Right. We proved them infectious and transmissible. So in your view, the people most susceptible to dying with this COVID injection are those who are already co-infected with XMRV and HIV. Correct. And Borrelia and Babesia and okay. mycoplasma and yeah. mold. From the cell lines, too. People don't realize we treat those cell lines with antimycotics and antibiotics, and they grind them all up and throw them in the final product of a lot of biologicals. So, so, yeah. So, so Joe, let me kind of go out a little bit and talk about why I think that this is so important because what we're, you know, let's look at the profile of those who die with. Uh, you know, with COVID, okay? What do we know about them? We know they're elderly. We know that they have 2.6 um, comorbidities. And so what we're saying is that for the past 60 years, as, as we've been doing these vaccines, we have been injecting these animal viruses into human beings, okay? And and what, what our assertion in Plague of Corruption was is that the, this injection of animal viruses is leading to chronic diseases in people, okay? So the diseases of aging, the diseases that we see in the young, you know, where they don't develop properly, okay? So, so that's all the plague of corruption was, is talking about the patterns of deception. Along comes, you know, Cove 2 and, and I think of it as the trigger that, that the SARS-CoV-2 is triggering, you know, these terrible immune system reactions in those who are already infected, killing them. And, and so Judy is completely right in saying that, you know, she I, I can understand how she says it seems like SARS-CoV-2 is is, you know, the executioner of all these people who are sick with chronic diseases that, you know, we believe are, are caused by various animal retroviruses. So, so it's really kind of, and, and I know it can be sort of difficult to wrap your head around that idea that we're, we're talking about, as Frank said, these multifactorial things that have happened over time that have caused, you know, this nuclear explosion of, of sickness and death, which we're seeing right now. Well, thanks for that explanation. It does really help, I think, at least me. And I've read three of your books, and it's still <laughs> somewhat a confusing topic to uh, really understand this foundational premise where it's just, it's just, because there's so many moving parts to this story that it's just not the, the SARS CoV 2 virus, which clearly exists, has been identified, but it's, it's that in combination with these other coexisting viral and bacterial infections that really catalyze the pathology so um and, and the vaccine itself putting that synthetic virus containing this deadly spike protein so you're you you've got the envelope proteins of the three in my opinion deadliest viruses the hiv family the xmrv family of viruses and then sars family of virus and you rolled that into a single you know, synthetic virus injected it in hundreds of millions of people. So all, all those three three viruses are in this uh, are, in are spike protein. Engineered, engineered into the spike protein. Correct. Okay, that that's another pretty profound statement too. That but, but, that's, that's, that's the truth. That's and that's, that's this and that's uh, you know, what's gotten in the news is this. It's it's a leaked virus. You know, it's finally starting to be understood and accepted that that theory is valid, and you shouldn't be banned from social media for for espousing it. But that that all refers to the research on this gain of function research, which is is just to highlight it. You just asserted was actually engineering 
features of HIV and XMRV into that spike protein. Yeah. But it appears naturally because it's it, because the Vero monkey kidney cells test SIV envelope and the XMRVs contaminated that cell line. That was the proof. These cell lines have a lot of viruses in them and they've been grown in our labs and contaminating various viruses, contaminating them for 30 or 40 years. That Vero E6 cell line has been all kinds of bat viruses, HIV in it, you know, SIV is simian immune deficiency virus. It's an overlapping envelope protein to HIV. So it'll get you that same inflammatory immune response. And then the XMRVs are contaminating the Vero monkey kidney cells. I've got the sequences in the paper in 2012. And, and, and yeah. clean cell so, Let me tie this back together to the book because uh, the book, which is Ending Plague, that we're talking about that's going to be published real soon. So uh, what, because it, your book goes deep into the history of this and provides a framework for understanding how something so devastating and disruptive could happen now in 2021. Uh, and, and the basis of this has a lot to do with Fauci, which you go into, and, and his cohort Gallo, who is uh, appropriately discredited and never received the Nobel Prize. Uh, it was properly awarded to Montier. But the, 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 the aspect that I just realized, because Robert Kennedy wrote a new book about Fauci and, and exposing his fraud, is that he's been there, as you mentioned earlier, I believe, Kent, uh, for 50 years, longer than J. Edgar Hoover was. You know, he's, the, he's been around a long time. And, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, well, he's responsible in that 50 years for distributing trillion dollars of funding a trillion dollars of funding and 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 in your experience in the early aids epidemic a large part of that funding went to sponsor trials and drugs like azt which was and and the same strategy was followed that he's doing now he absolutely discredited any other strategy that would work and his narrative was we need random device controls trials and he would never fund them so he he downplayed every other option other than the AZT that was going to be uh, really sold as, as, a, as a, uh, a major bonus prize for Burroughs Welcome, who produced it because it cost him $5 to make, $5, and they sold it for $10,000 a dose, $10,000. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same pattern. He did this 30 years ago, and he's doing it again now. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, and Joe, I, I, I want to chime in here because – there's something that is terrifying me right now, okay, which is that, you know, 14, 15 months ago, when Judy and I became the most banned people on the internet, we were essentially making two assertions. Assertion number one, SARS-CoV-2 came from that Chinese lab, probably with a good dose of U.S. help. Okay, and, and we know that's true now because we know that Fauci was funding the Wuhan lab. Number two, we were saying that Tony Fauci was not to be trusted. Okay, that got us kicked off of all social media. Okay, so now 14, 15 months later, the news is covering that information. What terrifies me is. I don't believe that we still have the full story. Sure. I, I, be, be, because if the liars are lying and now suddenly everybody can say what Judy and I have been saying for 14, 15 months, you know, I, I, I kind of compare it to, you know, you're 18 years old and your parents are out of town and you have a party. Okay. And, and you know, your parents find out about it and, 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 you know, finally, the evidence becomes overwhelming that you did have a party. And, you know, you say to mom and dad, yeah, mom, I had a couple of my male friends over and we had some beer. And OK, they go crazy. Right. But what you don't tell them is that, you know, you were smoking pot. There was cocaine there and there were girls, all that okay. other. Sort of thing. Okay. It, it, and so I find myself going, wait a minute. Now, now the media seems to be saying, hey, 
although they're not saying it this way, Judy and Kent and now Frank were right that this probably came from the lab and that Fauci is not to be trusted. I still think they're lying. I don't know what the other lies are, but 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 I uh, but I don't believe that every that everybody's finally come clean. I just don't know what those other truths are. A hint of what those some of those other additional prevarications uh, are with uh, some of the potential challenges in the her prediction of 50 million deaths. And that may seem extraordinary, but most people don't realize that I didn't, didn't finish with my uh, analogy with Fauci's earlier work. Yeah. Is that, that AZT that he funded, that they were paying $10,000 a dose, wound up killing 330,000 people from AZT toxicity. 330,000 yeah. people. And I think prop in the bucket compared to the, the deaths we're going to see from this. this that, that's that's a hundred times 9-11. OK. Three hundred thirty thousand. You know, we, we lost just a little under three three thousand people on 9-11. Fauci has been responsible for a hundred times 9-11. And yet the media still worships him. Um, you know, these are some terrifying avenues to go down. And, and quite frankly, Joe, I understand why people turn away from us because this is this is truly horrible. But the reason I hope that they'll get this book is because we also profile the heroes and the strategies which can return us to health. And, and also, how do we reform public health? How do we get it back to what it's supposed to be? And I, I think that you know the scholar's obligation in an age of corruption is to tell the truth and, and make the world a better place. And, and so, you know, yes, we go to some very dark places, but we also go to some very hopeful places. And I think that, you know, I was, I was trained as an attorney, but I've been a science teacher for the past 15 years. And I think that all of us consider ourselves educators because we want people to understand this um, so that they can take action. All right, let me, let me bring it back to Frank again too. Because yes, I just want, yes. I mean, he plays such an important role. We really haven't integrated him too much in the conversation. But just to give a, a historical perspective, I mean, he's been at the NI, National Cancer Institute uh, from 1975 until 2013. He's a veteran researcher. And he probably, he, he, in 1986, you and he deserved but never received the Lasker Prize. So maybe you can tell us what the Lasker Prize is. And then finally, uh, I think it was Frank's comment in the book that said, in his mother's view of the world, there was no sin, no sin as great as staying quiet when you observed injustice. That was you. That was you. I thought that was you, Frank. Yeah. That's all right. But Joe, let me just change your question a little bit. What you said a while ago is... What are we going to do about it now? All right? Yeah, right. The point is, we're never going to do the truth. We don't know the truth about a lot of things our government does. But how can we make it better? You know, the thing is that the knee-jerk response always is, well, we'll let people die until we get a vaccine. And they don't put any money in alternative therapy. My view of it that even makes it more tragic is we had SARS-1 and MERS. They knew this class of virus was coming. And they did nothing to prepare about it. Our health system only reacts, let's make a billion dollars on vaccines, but let's never do anything to prevent, you know. And any vaccine you make, like the first smallpox vaccine, they know that it is 7 to 10% lethal. But they convince the public to fear is you've got to get it because this disease is awful. So 10% of the people die. Big deal. That's their mindset. Yeah. Well, I, I just can't thank you enough, Frank, for your courage, your bravery, your integrity, your commitment to the truth for all your dedicated years uh, of self-sacrifice in, in, in true science and seeking to get the answers out there and being Judy's mentor and then help and having her as your grad students really take, take the work forward. So 
really deep, deep appreciation for all you've done. Thank you. Yeah, so I think that's the, the, the message that, um, you know, ending plague, and this is what Frank brings to, you know, the, the whole, the table, I mean, I think deserves probably a medal for being my mentor. He does, and he should have got that. But what is the Lasker Award for those who are not, not in the biology? Awards don't mean anything, all right? Well, what the Lasker Award is similar to the Nobel Prize um, mm -hmm. in, in medicine. It's called the American Nobel Award. It's called the Amer American, American Nobel, Nobel Prize. Okay. And you guys should have got it in 86 yeah. for your work. They, they copied it and gave it to someone else. Wasn't that the, the case? They gave it to Gallo? The powerful always get the rewards. <laughs> <laughs> well, ostensibly, ostensibly in this lifetime, but... Uh, you know, I think that in the long time, karma tends to get them. Joe, what I wanted to say is that the reason I think these stories are important is because it always the revolution always starts somewhere. You know, when I was a teenager, the Soviet Union was an amazing threat to us. OK, you know, I did the duck and cover drills under the table and everything. And, and, I, and I was terrified that, that we would die in a nuclear war. And then I started reading books by defectors from the Soviet Union. And, and so very early on, I saw that that entire system was flawed and weak. And, and I look at these books that, that I helped Judy and Frank and, and others put together. And these are really stories of defectors from science. And I, and I think in them, we see the destruction of the old order and the creation of something new and wonderful. So we're, we're not just saying things are terrible. We are talking about how to bring about change. And that's why it's so important that, that people go out and buy these books because, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, but sales are power for people like Judy and Frank and me to continue our message. Now, um, you know, right now we, we've got about 7,000 Amazon pre-orders on Ending Plague. We would like to get 15,000. If we get 15,000, what that means is when it comes out in August, it's probably going to be number one or two on the New York Times bestseller list. Not, no, that, no, 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 no. When my book came out, it had a, over 100,000 pre-orders, 100,000. Wow. It, it never yeah. made the New York Times bestseller list because wow. I'm, I'm banned. Wow. And it even, it even got suppressed on Amazon. They pulled a lot of tricks. So. And yeah. You have to understand they they're very powerful, and they, they, the attempted censorship uh, is is really profound. Not the attempt, the yeah. censorship is profound. Yeah. That, you have no I idea what they're going to do to you. None. And I think yeah. Yeah. What's so important about this book and and Frank talking about it because what Frank always does, and I can say it because he just left, is is as a mentor. You know, he was sitting here with me. And he was arguing with me. He said, I disagree with that. And this is what we've lost. We've yeah, lost the, the dialogue. scientists to disagree. And there becomes only one way to look at a disease. So having the dialogue, I don't mind having the dialogue with Andy Kaufman. Come on, I want to, you to understand. Because when you do understand my way, then we can design the experiment to prove me right or wrong. I, it's never just my opinion. And so Frank was here, you know, I see no evidence of that. That's what he always sees. I see no evidence of that. And mm -hmm. so there, that's, there is no evidence of human to human transmission. Mm -hmm. There's evidence of, of infection by injection of the viruses. There's no evidence of transmission of the monkey virus in humans. And this is what we're trying to say. So the good of having Frank Rossetti speak out and the and the old system break down is ending that censorship in science because tony fauci controlling all of that money means the only conversation you get to have is when you agree with him and that's the plague of corruption now that that what we realized is it had nothing to do with the data because when smart scientists like Stephanie Senep and her expertise in glyphosate and what that does to retroviral expression, um, we have in the book Frank Schallenberger, um, we, we talk about with the work of Joe Cummins and Frank's work and bringing together um, type 1 interferons and those things we did back in the 80s. Because now people are talking to each other and they now they can see from their lens of let's just say ozone therapy and, and that's what mm -hmm. Frank Schallenberger's um, one of his expertise is. You look at 
the molecular mechanism Phil Mollick has worked in ozone therapy and how it comes at an energetic level where we work at a cytokine level and see fields of scientists that never got to talk to each other before because they were banned. We were bad people. Now they now they'll finally listen. So I, I do I appreciate um, you know that you complimenting Frank because you know the the other day when he came in here we were we're finishing we're putting the final touches on the together this week and um, he uh, he said you know the only thing when you Google me is the toxic legacy of Judy Mikevich and it hurts <laughs> with all the cons with all the comfort it hurts him you know with with all the contributions he's made how medicine could have and should have changed to where none of this suffering ever need happen, uh, no matter the origin, no matter how many viruses they reach. It's a travesty, travesty of justice. We right. even had the, the inventor of the mRNA vaccine, Robert Malone. After he interviewed with Brett Weinstein and it went viral, went to millions of people, they actually removed him from the history books. He's not acknowledged as the inventor of the mRNA vaccine anymore. Yeah. Well, and Frank Rossetti's been removed from the history. Yeah, I know. It's just a, their ability to control the narrative. So it's it's sad, but you know it means that you're on the right side. And eventually, you know, truth always comes to the surface. So I, I want to congratulate you and your team and Frank and Kent for putting this wonderful book together and encourage everyone to pick up a copy because it's part of the trilogy. And if you read the first two, you certainly need to read this one because it puts a lot of things together and it really ties it all up. And, and, and in addition to that, uh, you can help support these people. I mean, Judy, Judy does not have a big salary at all. She's not, she doesn't have some research grants. I mean, she, she basically lives on these uh, as, as uh, this is the, the fee that she gets to survive on. So you can support her work by getting this book, and I strongly encourage you to do that. And get, while you're doing it, get pick up ten copies and give them to your friends. You know, so uh, you can further support her work. So it's a, it's a great way to do that, and really a way to honor the work of these three people who committed the, the vast majority of their adult life to uncovering the truth, helping us understand the absolute magnitude of this corruption and malfeasance that is really you know, just devastating our population. So I, I just so deeply appreciate you and your team and putting that all together, your commitment to integrity and, and uh, telling the truth like it is and, and, and showing us and helping us understand because of your deep uh, knowledge in molecular biology and virology and genetics to help us uh, uncover what they've actually done. Right. Hey, thank you so much, Joe. And, and it's great to have you in the fight with us as well. So, uh, you know, it, I, I always say none of us is Superman, but together we can be a team team of Avengers taking on this this darkness. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, thanks, guys, and thanks. Uh, keep up the good work. And maybe there'll be a fourth book. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the name of the book is Ending Plague. So that's yes. that's the one to get. <laughs>